Welcome to Lawyers Living Well, a production of the State Bar of Georgia's Attorney Wellness Committee and the Lawyers Assistance Program. Lawyers, this is your resource for all things wellness. It is our goal to encourage you to live well. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lawyers Living Well podcast. I am Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program of the State Bar of Georgia, and today I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Javon Hicks. Yes, that is the same Javon Hicks whom you just heard introducing the podcast, because she is chairperson of the Wellness Committee of the State Bar, and this podcast is a joint initiative of that committee and the Lawyer Assistance Program. Javon does many, many things besides chair the Wellness Committee. Her day job is clerk of court for the state and magistrate courts of DeKalb County. Her everything else job is advocating literally on a daily basis for mental health and wellness. Javon is on the State Bar Executive Committee, the Bar Suicide Awareness and Prevention Committee, acts as liaison to the Lawyer Assistance Program, and has received the Barbara A. Harris Award for service to the community, among other tributes. Javon, we have done this work together for a long time now. I don't think either of us ever expected a year like the last one. I know we didn't. And I know that we both have a lot of thoughts about it, so let's dive in. My first question is that you have created the Lawyers Living Well page on the BARS website and you tirelessly, tirelessly promote the six prepaid counseling sessions per year offered through LAP, known as hashtag use your six. You and I have had countless conversations about how to expand awareness about those sessions and exactly what might stand in the way of people using them because we know that something often does. So please tell me your thoughts about that. Good afternoon, Lynn. Uh, First, let me just say, Thank you for this opportunity to have this discussion with you today. It's such an important issue. And one of the things that is important about it is the fact that we know that people need assistance with just life. Lawyers need that assistance, especially because they are in the helping people business. And one of the major things that keeps them from being able to accept this assistance that we're offering is that stigma that someone will find out that they are not the perfect person. And not only are they not the perfect person, but would somehow hold it against them by knowing that information. That if other people know that I need help, they won't come to me to solve and help them with their legal issues. So it will hurt my business, it will hurt my reputation among my peers and among my clients. So when we talk to people, we tell them that it is more important for you to be well in all aspects of your life so that you can actually help people the way they need to be helped. So stigma is a major barrier that we are trying to overcome with this continuous and daily interaction. It's also working on getting our constituents, our lawyers, to know that these avenues are available and these resources are available to help them. A lot of the lawyers do not know the things that we're offering them. And so working on the 
as you said, the um, hashtag use your six is just one of those ways to promote information so people know that there are resources available and the bar is providing those resources. Some lawyers are concerned about confidentiality. They're concerned that if they reach out for help, that the discipline part of the bar would find out that they have maybe done some things they shouldn't be doing um, in the practice of law or practicing in, in different stages that are, might call into question their, their abilities. And they don't want anything to be used against them in that format. So we wanted and worked really hard to make sure that confidentiality is at the utmost. Anybody using our resources, especially if they use the use your six resources, that information is totally confidential. It will not be used in disciplinary actions whatsoever. The two are totally separate. We had a rule change to make sure if there is any question about it being separate, um, that that doesn't exist anymore. So that, again, goes back to communication and letting our, our constituents know that that exists, that protection also exists. Javon, thank you. You know, one thing you have talked about that swayed me from a position that I used to take, you know, I used to view the Use Your Six for, quote, serious problems, for lack of a better word. And you really pushed me and, and have absolutely changed my mind that not at all, you know, this is a, a program that's available all across the board. You don't have to have a diagnosable condition. You know, the stress we work under is quite enough. Uh, so if you could talk about that for a second, that would be great because it was your idea. Yeah, um, we all have mental health, just like we all have physical health. And the more that we can mainstream the conversation on getting help, the more people will take advantage of getting that help. So we don't want people to have to feel like they are at their uh, wits end, that they're uh, at their lowest before they even consider reaching out. We don't want people to get to that point. So how do we do that? We make sure that people understand you don't have to be in a crisis to want to reach out and get some help with that day-to-day -day challenge, if you will, that will help them make it to the next day without getting more and more put on them to the point where they do reach that ultimate, oh my God, I can't, I can't go forward. We, we're trying to normalize the getting help. And so part of that, like I said, is the discussion of What's, what's the big thing bothering me today? And it's causing me angst. So because it's causing me angst and it's causing me enough angst that it's distracting me from my everyday or what would be my normal process, then I might need to talk to somebody who can help me with that angst. If they can help me with that angst, then that doesn't grow to something bigger. And it also makes it so that I'm not judged by getting that help. The more that you reach out on these the smaller or in the beginning or just reaching out for help, the more people that do that, there's less people to judge, then you don't have that stigma. Yeah, I thought that was absolutely fantastic when I heard you talk about that. And like I said, you know, I had a particular mindset and I'm completely, completely persuaded you're 100% right. And I do hope that people will hear that message. So uh, Lynn, 
I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, go on. The analogy I want to, to use for that is no one says to a person who is feeling sick, hey, why did you go to the doctor? No one says, you know, this cold is bothering me and it's not going away. They don't say, but don't go to the doctor or how dare you go to the doctor? So that's the same kind of mindset I want to get for when people need some help with their mental um, challenges. Yeah. I want to say you should go to the doctor the same way we would tell that person, oh, this is lingering for you. You need to go get that checked out. That's part of how we need to change that conversation. Totally agree. There are times, as you and I both know, where it is a crisis. And the Chief Justice's Commission is about to put on the Suicide Awareness Program on April 30th. And I know this is a topic that's very personal to you, having lost your husband to suicide. What message do you want our listeners to hear and understand about the rates of suicide in the legal profession and what each of us can do about it? Because we can, you know, we can all have a hand in that. So I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. So as you stated, Lynn, my husband's suicide is the reason that I do this work and it's the reason that I want to normalize getting help. He didn't get help because he said he was a lawyer. He was a good lawyer. So he knew that even the if another lawyer wanted to find out and pierce the veil of protection and find out that there were ways to get access to what was supposed to be confidential if someone was trying to. And so he refused to get the help that he needed because of that. So the, the suicide rates among lawyers are high for reasons just like that. Suicide overall, there were 1,500 deaths in 2020, 1,569 deaths from suicide overall, not just lawyers, in 2020. Overall, that's about, not just in Georgia, but overall suicides are about 10% of the deaths in our nation. And if we can start looking for the signs in people who are in this traumatic state, and they are signs. Signs can be changes in a person's behavior. The person may be either more withdrawn or withdrawn from what you normally know that person to be, or they can be the opposite. They can be overly, looks like overly compensating in their activities to the point where it's like they're running on fumes. I mean, it's mainly the drastic changes in behavior of people that you have interaction with that you can note and be comfortable reaching out to that person. A lot of times we have conversations with people and they'll say, well, I noticed something, but I didn't feel comfortable saying anything. But you're saying that when you're talking to other people at their funeral. It's more important to say that to the person. Sometimes people just don't know other people care because they see you running on fumes, or they know that you've withdrawn and no one reaches out. So when no one reaches out, then it conveys a feeling that no one cares. So if I'm gone, it won't matter. Javon, let me ask you a question. 
because you've just made me think about this. I think for a long time, there was the thought that if you asked somebody a direct question, are you thinking of harming yourself? That could push somebody over the edge. I have heard everywhere I am these days that that is not true. And in fact, what you should do is ask somebody very directly, engage them, just like you said, let them know that you care, but don't be afraid to say, are you thinking of harming yourself? So what do you think? I totally agree, Lynn. Someone that isn't thinking about committing suicide is not going to go and start thinking about committing suicide because you reached out and asked them where they were in their thought process. It's just the opposite. Like you said, you could be that last lifeline to somebody by asking that question. Now, do you have to take on the response or the, I don't know if it's a responsibility, but the person may withdraw from you for a little bit because they're uncomfortable with having the conversation, especially if it's somebody that you don't really have a total relationship with. You don't know how they're going to react to you. You have to be prepared that it may not be a positive thank you at that particular moment, but the thank you would be down the road because you may have just saved that person's life by showing that they matter enough for you to have reached out to them. So they may be mad at you right now. So what? It's better for them to be here and mad at you than gone and then what? And you're, you're feeling guilty or whatever because you didn't reach out. If you see something, say something. That's what they, they keep talking about in other arenas. That's what we, we're talking about here, too. If you see something, say something. And if you can't say it yourself, then find somebody else that you feel that they may know or have a connection with. Find a way to put arms around that person. Because they may not be suicidal, but they may just have some other deep issues that they're dealing with that they need some help to get them to the proper support that they need. You know, people may not know that the Lawyer Assistance Program provides anonymous outreach. For example, just what you were saying, if you don't feel comfortable reaching out, dial the LAP hotline and somebody there will. Will it have the intended effect? You will never know. Or, or you may or may not know, but, but you made the effort. And I see exactly what you're saying with that. And I have to say thank you to that. As long as you've been doing this, that still can't be easy. That's not an easy topic uh, to talk about. It's, it's not an easy topic, but it's, it's, it helps me make sense of what I had to experience and what my children more so than myself because Lynn, I tell you, my driving force every day is my youngest daughter saying, why wasn't I enough, dad, to stay here? Why wasn't I enough? And there's no answer to that, except that you were more than enough because without you, he, he wouldn't have been here as long as he was. The two girls were what kept him here as long as he could take it. He just couldn't, didn't have what it took to stay beyond that. And it has nothing to do with them. But that's a hard one. And it's why I do this work. Thank you for that. You know, there's, there's so much that you and I can talk about. We're living through such times now between the one year anniversary of COVID 
the continued outrage and anguish over racial injustice and continued polarization politically and personally. And, and I mean, I could say a hundred more things as if that were not enough. As an advocate for wellness in every single thing that you do, you're always trying to get others to take care of themselves. Uh, you're doing it in this conversation uh, and in what you just talked about at the deepest level. So what have you done to maintain stability in your life and in your work during these times? Uh, you know, we've all, this, this hasn't been easy for anybody. I don't care who it is. So as an example, what have you been able to do to maintain your stability? So to be honest, um, it's been difficult just so that, you know, all of us that do this work are still individuals dealing with life as you, as you just stated. So one of the things that I do is I have these conversations with people. I reach out to other people and check on them. That gives me energy because I know how I feel when I receive it. So I try to give it. That helps me. Um, the wellness committee has monthly touches and I participated in all of those. But one of the ones that stood out was the vision board. And so I completed my vision board and that has really helped me stay focused. I have it in my bedroom. It's right there at my dresser so that I'm looking at it every day. It motivates me to go walking. Um, I try to go to the Stone Mountain um, at least once a week and I have a little trail that I walk to help just get some vitamin D as we're working remotely or definitely inside. I go to the office about once or twice a week, but most of the time I'm in my house and so I need to get outside and get fresh air. So I do, I'm walking and I talk to friends. Uh, we have talked before, I thank you and I about everybody needing a board of governors, if you will, your own personal board of governors, your, your ride or die friends that you can re, um, rely on. And we have a text group that we text each other. Hey, did you see that on television today? Or, you know, that helps us stay connected even though we're all across the country. And that helps me. So community helps me, I guess, is my main, main answer to that question is community. And my daughters are, are just the best and they keep me going. I love them so much and they, they are so accomplished that it just brings light to me. Yeah, you're bringing us another lawyer, aren't you? I am. She, uh, my oldest daughter, Victoria, will graduate from UGA Law School in May and she wants to go into prosecution following her mommy's footsteps. So I'm, I'm quite excited about that. And then my baby girl is graduating from Boston, Boston University with a business degree and going to be working at Deloitte. Wow. So we're, I'm, I'm just over the moon excited for both of them. That's wonderful. Um, I want to go back to something you said. You mentioned monthly touches, and I'm not sure everybody listening knows exactly what that is. Would you please just say a little bit about it? Yes, the Wellness Committee started what we're calling monthly touches because our president of the state bar, Dawn Jones, wanted us to, in light of the pandemic and everything that people are going through, for us as a wellness committee to offer something where people could connect if they wanted to. And so with that charge in mind, the wonderful wellness committee started these monthly touches is what we call them. And so there are different activities that we have once a month on different topics. The one topic, like I said, I mentioned the vision board, but we had one topic 
about demystifying the user six process. That was very well received, but very much needed to help, you know, reduce the the concern over what happens when I use my six. So it was taking people step by step on that process. And we have video of the entire session, and we also did clips of that particular monthly touch so that people could have snippets of like what happens when you call, they can find out information about the process so that if they're considering using your six, they can go and look at those different clips about that information. Yeah, I thought that was so valuable. You know, having done 150 years of therapy uh, at this point myself, it's hard for me to remember that not everybody knows what it is to walk into the door of a stranger's office and sort of lay out your your issues and, and open up your heart and your soul to them. And not that it has to be that, as you and I talked about it before, it doesn't have to be at that depth. But I thought it was just a very, very useful thing to do, like you said. Javon, we often talk about heavy topics. And so here's another one. I try to keep it lightweight and somehow I just don't ever really seem to get there. But this is a serious one. Uh, They're all serious ones. So racial injustice and disparities based on race, that's a topic all of its own. I alluded to it, you know, when we were talking before, but that's its own topic. And in fact, since I first sent this question to you as a discussion item, We've now undergone the attack in Atlanta on the Asian American community, and it seems like the toll and the pain uh, from this just doesn't seem to stop. I have become particularly aware of the different experiences of COVID that my Black colleagues have had versus what I and my expanded circle of white colleagues and friends have had. For example, a Black friend recently told me, an attorney, about three funerals in three days for people who were not very distant from her. It was an in-law's best friend, a sorority sister, uh, her husband's uncle, you know, not people, not six degrees of separation. I don't know a soul, nor have I experienced anything close to that within the circle, the, the expanded circle that I was talking about. And I know that I try to be a person of goodwill. I know plenty of white people who try to be people of goodwill. I'm not sure in that context how we can really best be supportive to our colleagues and friends of color. And I know sometimes we've got great intentions and we only make matters worse without meaning to. So if you could talk about that and really talk about what not to do, really as much as what to do, that would be great. So I do believe everything of this past year has highlighted those injustices, as you say. The only thing that is not to do is to be quiet. Engaging, even if you feel like you made a misstep, but it's because people can see that you're trying. Don't stop trying if whoever you're um, having a conversation with isn't pleased by your effort or doesn't accept your effort initially. This has been going on, you know, 400 years. For us as as an African-American female, a Black female, I've dealt with this my entire life. But if someone comes and says something that I'm like, they really just don't get it. The fact that they came and tried shows that there's a willingness to have the conversation. And that helps us move to the part that is helpful. You know, but we've had silence on the issue for so long 
that we haven't moved to where we need to be. Reaching out and having the conversations, being open and willing to, I guess, even if it means getting an initial rejection from the person that you're trying to help or show that you're on their side, don't take that personal and cause you to be silent and say, well, I'm not going to say anything because I'm not going to say the right thing. Well, I don't know if I'm going to say the right thing because being vulnerable to that shows the willingness to help. And that's what we need because that's how we move forward together. Because there are no right answers, you know, until we have these conversations. We don't know what each other doesn't know. So we won't get there until we have the conversations out loud. I know that for me, I watched The Bachelor this season, you know, it's first African-American bachelor. Poor thing had to deal with the one girl that he picks winds up having some racial undertoned issues in her past and it sent him for a loop. He grew a big old beard and, you know, everything. And now I'm afraid that it's going to take him a long time to even reach for love again. You know, I'm like using that as my one of my distractions. So all of that is just a culmination of saying, just continue to have the conversation. We've even had conversations on the wellness committee and, and I'm glad that we were able to talk about it some and we'll continue to talk about it again. But there were some people who, who we know meant well, but people jumped in on, on her when she tried to make an analogy because it was like, no, that's just not right. She later on became silent and we didn't hear from her for a while. So I reached out individually and said, hey, we heard you. Don't go away from us just because we didn't agree with what you said immediately. I know your heart, so let's keep having the conversation. And so that's what I want us to do. I want us to keep having the conversation so that we can make change. You know, I don't have a word to add to that. I think that was so beautifully said. I think it just requires some grace on both sides and on all sides. And that's exactly what you just said. I want to talk to you a little bit about what the resources are that the State Bar offers. We've talked about the Lawyer Assistance Program, we've talked about Use Your Six. There's a peer program that is available through the Lawyer Assistance Program. You've put a million resources on the wellness website. With all of that, do you think the State Bar offers adequate resources to promote well-being among our community? And is there anything you'd like to see improved or added to what's already there? Our state bar has just been phenomenal with the support that they have given to the topic of wellness and to our constituents. Our major challenge is getting that information to our constituents and having them take advantage of what it is we're offering. I serve on or participate with the National Task Force on Wellbeing that's now renamed an Institute of Lawyer Wellbeing. But when I hear from what our counterparts across the nation and the different states are doing, Georgia is far above a lot of what the efforts are in other places. The only thing that we don't have, I think there's only two or three states, have a person whose job it is as part of either the bar staff or the Supreme Court, depending on how that particular state is set up, whose job it is to do wellness. So they have a executive director, I'm not sure I have the title right, of wellness. 
And so that's the only thing that we don't have that I wish we had that. And that's a paid staff person, not a volunteer. So that's the only thing that we don't have. I mean, we offer, like you said, so many resources. Now we have the newsletter that our wonderful media subcommittee has put together. We have wonderful support from the bar. We keep the website updated. We have social media interaction. Uh, We have wonderful articles that are published in the bar journal. We put on fabulous CLEs for our constituents. And they're on topics that range from all types of wellness. It's not just uh, mental, it's physical, it's social. We're working on different projects. We wanted to have a taste of wellness and we're still gonna hopefully get that down when we're able to be together again and different aspects that you can use to make yourself feel better and be healthy at the same time, whether it was food or ice cream or you know things that normally have seen like just bad for you, but there's ways to, to do it to be the healthiest when you do do it. It's mainly, like I said, the challenge is getting people to use the resources that we have, in addition to the ones that you mentioned as far as LAP and the peer-to-peer and the Use Your Six and being active. I agree. I think we're very robust in Georgia. Um, And again, like you said, we've got, what, 38,000 active lawyers, I think, something like that. And so, you know, we we have a lot of people who could use the services, and we just keep working on that. There's 50,000 of, you know, the active, inactive. Um, There is a constituency of law student members as well. And so we're trying to reach out to them with the fact that we have one of our subcommittees as part of the wellness committee is um, people from the area law schools. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I applaud that. You know, that's we could have five more of these and and I hope that we will because law, law school is, and even before, is where a lot of the issues start. And so it's great for them to be constituents and to be stakeholders in all of this. We have talked about everything Do you have any final thoughts before we go? I just want to thank you for the opportunity and for having this vision to do these podcasts. I think they're wonderful and look forward to continuing to the conversation. Like I said, there's nothing that hasn't benefited from having conversation. That's what moves us forward. It's what happens when they have these big meetings that will solve the war issues. I mean, conversation is is the key. So I, I applaud you and thank you for um, allowing me to be with you this afternoon. Well, thank you so much for your time and for being such a warrior, a, really a warrior for mental health and wellness. Um, I can tell that your family's thriving. It's wonderful to hear I hope you continue to do so as we inch our way forward to what we used to think was just normal. And I wish the same to all of our listeners. And please join us again for another episode of Lawyers Living Well. Hi, I'm Lynn Garson, Chair of the Lawyer Assistance Program. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lawyers Living Well. If you need immediate confidential help, call the LAP hotline at 1-800-327-9631. That's 1-800-327-9631. 
You can also visit lawyerslivingwell.org for more wellness resources through the State Bar of Georgia. That's lawyerslivingwell.org. We hope you can join us next time. Thank you.